It is Mission Sunday, and while, uh, while the emphasis maybe on missions is less so on Sunday evening, I still wanted to, to stick with this. We get this privilege of participating with God's big plan, and His big plan is He wants His kingdom to come more and more into the world, to have more and more people participate, to have it expand more and more geographically all over the world. And we have been invited by God to have this great honor and privilege of participating in that. We kind of take care of Jonesboro, right? We kind of take care of our own areas where we ourselves are people who bear witness to what it looks like when somebody lives by the will of God and brings his kingdom to come. But there are other parts of the world we're just as obligated to, to, uh, to play a part in getting it there. And that's why these missions are so important. And every time you contribute an offering, it does go toward that. But today in particular, once a year, this is set aside. So every penny that you put in there goes to this effort. And, and it gives us a sense of, uh, of a specific focus. And I particularly like Bear Valley. I like uh, gospel chariots in Africa, too. That is one of the most unique things. And then EEM we support. Is, there are other things, too. But in this one in particular, where you empower people from their own country to learn how to do this and then go into their own country, they already have the language barrier overcome. They already have that understanding the culture overcome that would take thousands of dollars to train an American to do it. So you can bypass that and go straight to the people there. And I'm just so impressed with that. And, and, and you, you can know that that's where it's going to. And every week you give, not just this one, but every week you give in the plate, some of that goes there. Uh, and, and, and there's something about the discipline of giving that's not just a one-time deal. I'm going to do this toward this cause, and then when there's another cause, I'll do it again. But regularly, you know every time that you are paid for your occupation, that a little bit, that whatever percentage you decide, every time a little of that is going to missions. Not just one big check, but little checks that you get all year long. And I hope that does something for you. It should. And then you personally invest in it. And we're going to wrap up uh, Mission Sunday with a story from the Bible. I, I, I appreciated his treatment of Mark 6. We're going to back up to Mark chapter 5, where there's this guy who asks to be a missionary, and Jesus says no. Jesus says, I don't want you coming with me. The only person Jesus ever said no to about this. And it's a strange thought. It was preceded by this miracle story. Uh, the disciples uh, were on the sea. The weather started getting rough and the tiny ship was tossed. But are we that old here? The weather started getting rough and the tiny ship was tossed. Does that sound familiar? Oh, forget you people. You don't know what you're not. You don't know good TV. Anyway, and, and, and there in the boat, while it was being tossed like this, is Jesus just sleeping. And it's worse than that. Yeah, he's tired from the day of all his stuff that he was doing, but he's asleep on a cushion. And to be on a cushion is a premeditated act. You brought that with you with the express purpose of sleeping. If you come into church with a cushion, don't say, well, <laughs> sorry, I didn't plan on that. Really? Really, you're, you brought a cushion in, and you weren't preparing to sleep. That's not what you were preparing for. That's what you're preparing for when you bring a cushion. Jesus intended to get some rest, and despite, despite the weather getting rough, he was going to sleep. 
The disciples get all upset. They don't think about the fact if we drown, Jesus drowns. They don't think about that. They're just terrified for their lives, and they wake Jesus up, and he kind of wipes the, the sleep from his eyes, and he calms the wind, and they go from being terrified of the storm, it says, to being terrified of Jesus. This is terrible. A man who can get up and calm the storm. Jesus said, just call it down, right? Calm down the racket wind, and it calmed down, and they were terrified of Jesus. They get to the other side, and it just gets worse. As soon as they step out of the boat, this crazy maniac comes running down the hill to where Jesus is. Furious, with foam at the mouth, he ran at him and he fell at his feet and he was crazy. He was naked, which is odd enough. He was weird and loud. He was all bloody and cut up. He had lived among the tombs, they find out later, and he's unrestrainable, even if you use chains, strong and threatening, and he falls limp at Jesus' feet. He recognizes Jesus and calls him by his name and his title, Son of the Most High God, and begged Jesus, don't, don't send us out. After Jesus finds out his name and he is a legion of demons, don't send us out without bodies, right? Don't send us out there out of the country. Send us into the pigs. And Jesus does a little bit of a, a patient history thing and finds out who he is and, or who they are. That kind of thing happens. He drives them in the, the pigs, and of course they go into the sea, as you know. And this would make the local news very quickly in a small town. It would spread very fast, and people go running into town to talk about it. And a crowd came out in response to this incredible news that's being passed around. They want to see the fuss for themselves, and when they get there, this man who had become legendary says he went into the Decapolis. That's an area of ten cities. He was known for cities around to be this crazy lunatic running around naked in the cemetery. That would make news, wouldn't it? Somebody living naked out in the cemeteries of Jonesboro, wouldn't you probably hear about it from somewhere? Here he was polar opposite of what they'd seen him come to be norm for him he was sitting he was clothed fully restrained in his right mind and they were told the story all the details about it and they become terrified of jesus the disciples already were and then they got a little more probably it doesn't say about them but you know what jesus does here and the city's terrified and they ask him everybody just just leave us just leave us and jesus agrees to do so but there's one person who wants to go with him. The crazy lunatic man, he wants to go with him. And boy, what an advertisement that would be. But Jesus says, no, I don't want you to go with us. I want you to go back home and tell the people who knew you what Jesus has done for you. He didn't need him to go out in the world out there. He needed someone to witness right there because... This is Gentile territory. Jesus didn't come here often. This is his first appearance in Gentile territory. He, wasn't sent to the, he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He wasn't sent to Gentiles. But for some reason, Jesus does a little bit of a trailer. He does a little bit of a, like, a, like I don't know, give him a, a, a little bit of a taste by going into Gentile territory. Um, and he says, I want you to go back into your town. Jesus can't go. He's Jewish. The Gentiles won't receive him, especially right now. But this man will be received. And interestingly enough, when Jesus comes back into the Decapolis, there's already a crowd of people who hear about him and come. And I wonder, I wonder if it's because this guy really did exactly what Jesus told him to. 
He went back and told all these people, and it's undeniable, isn't it, when this guy does an advertisement? Here's the trajectory of the story I want you to get, and that is this man was a mess. It was well known by everybody what a condition he was in. Now, not everybody has a dramatic story like this, but this dude does. I mean, he's got this wonderful conversion story. Everybody would want him to speak at their back-to-school bash, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want them to come here and you'd say, wow, that's amazing. And most mega church preachers you watch on TV, the really cool ones, they have a drug history. And they have tattoos, and they have earrings and colored hair, and they've got torn jeans. I can't stand torn jeans. No offense to those of you who buy them that way. I don't understand that, but anyway, no offense. But that's kind of a megachurch guy. He stands up, and he's got a history, and everybody knows it, and he's got arms that look like he's got like handcuffs on the side or something. He's been arrested. Everybody wants to go hear about him. And, and then you come every Sunday, and I'm in a tie, and I've got the most boring conversion story in the history of the world. Now, this man was a mess. Not everybody has to. You don't have to have that dramatic a story, but this guy had one. So he was a mess, and everybody knew it. Jesus changed the man. There's this before and after picture. You see him before, and then you see him after. No clothes, clothes. Running around, seated. Totally out of control, controlled and restrained. There's just this undeniable change that's happened, and the only explanation is what happened in the middle, an encounter with Jesus. And then the change is obvious to the people who knew him. I mean, he doesn't have to explain the story necessarily. People just know when they see him, having seen him before. And then Jesus tells him, go home and tell people, what the Lord had done for him. I want you to think for a second. I, I meant to do this at the very beginning. I want you to answer this question in your own head. I'm going to give you some time because you're going to need it. I don't want you to try to be exhaustive. I don't want you to try to be profound. I want you to think of a one-minute answer to this question. What difference does Jesus make in your life? What difference has he made in your life? If you were to have a chance to have a conversation with somebody sitting across from in Starbucks, for whatever reason, you strike that conversation, and you get to talking about this and that, and then he finally says, why are you a Christian? You have a, and, and you got one minute. Just, and I don't want you to try to, to try to be real biblical. I don't want you to spurt out verses. I want you to tell me, if you were just talking to somebody, and they just want to know, what difference does Jesus make in your life? What answer do you give? I want you to think about that for a minute. What difference does he make in your life? A couple of things you've got to keep in mind as we try to apply this story, especially for those of you who are like me and you have a boring story. Nothing really dramatic. You were kind of like Keith talked about this morning. You were raised on a pew. You slept and drooled on a pew all your life. Your diapers were probably changed on a pew, Right? And when people talk about changing out pews for chairs, you just kind of go, <gasps> anybody do that? I just can't imagine. This is my, how I lived. How are you going to keep the baby from falling through the cracks in between a chair? A pew, you can lay them right across there and they can stay there for hours and roll around and never go to the floor, right? Number one, stark differences. Your story may not be as dramatic but it's valid. Your story doesn't have to be a dramatic before-after picture. 
Oh, there's before and after, even with those of you raised in the church. There's a before and after because he wasn't Lord of your life and now he is. Even if you're raised in the church, you have to come to that understanding. You, you can't even be baptized without saying, he is now king of my life and he wasn't before and there's got to be some differences, but <coughs> it just won't be all that dramatic. It's kind of like a rite of passage that just happens, you know? Secondly, maybe the people you are around don't even know about your before story. I was baptized pretty young, and I'll bet you, I'll bet you I couldn't find 30 people who even know the pre-baptism me in this world. I can't prove to you that I'm different than I used to be. You've only known me as a believer. And for most of you, I've only known you as a believer. So you know what? You can't come and, and I go, wow, that's amazing the way your life has changed because I didn't witness it. And so most of the people you are around, chances are most people you are around don't know the before picture. Like this guy had the before after picture. And yet, what Jesus tells this man we need to pay attention to. These are challenges for application, but there is one application that is absolutely perfect. No matter what you come from. Notice what he tells the man in Mark chapter 5. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he's had mercy on you. I just want you to go home and tell what the Lord has done for you. You don't have to know. I'm sure that from after this, he was pretty compelled to find out who Jesus really was, to even study the Old Testament and understand that he was forecast a long time ago, and this was part of the plan of God. He doesn't have to know all that, though. He doesn't have to do a lot of, uh, he doesn't have to go get a degree at a seminary somewhere in order to speak for God. You don't have to be well equipped with all the verses. He wouldn't have known any of them. This is a Gentile. He didn't grow up, grow up going to Bible class. He can't answer all those things. You could very easily stump this guy with a lot of things, but there's one thing he knows. The one thing he knows is what Jesus did for me. And apparently that was enough to compel a lot of people so that when Jesus comes back, there's a bunch of them waiting for him. We're going to do something you're going to hate. So... Missions is about going into a world where people don't know Jesus and talk about him. And that just makes us cringe a little bit. I'm wondering if we would even cringe talking to each other about it. You got three minutes. I'm pausing for three minutes. Find one other person. It could be your own spouse if you want to. I want you to look at the other person. I want you to tell them. I've, I've asked you to be thinking about this for a second. I, I should have done it at the beginning and give you more time. I know how awkward that is. I want you to share one thing. Take up to one minute. Don't take any longer than that. If you take longer than that, you're, you're getting into a sermon. And no one needs more sermons. Amen? Right? We don't need more sermons. But I just need to hear, I just need to hear from another person. What difference does Jesus make in your life? I want you to share it with one other person tonight. And then I want you to turn the, that, that person then to turn to you and them tell you what Jesus, difference Jesus makes in their life. So you hear one minute worth and you tell one minute worth and you will leave tonight having practiced what you need to do 
in your life. I know how uncomfortable this is. My wife is looking at me with a glare you wouldn't believe. But I'm used to that for all sorts of reasons. But if we can't talk about and celebrate that and even get real personal with each other about what Je- the difference Jesus makes, how in the world will we ever do what this guy was told to do? You've got three minutes starting in 10 seconds. I love the buzz of that talk. I hope that you were uh, encouraged by that. Uh, Daryl, did you share that with somebody? Okay, all right, all right, just making sure, just making sure. And I'd love to have heard everybody's, but um, don't worry about needing to get tickets to Africa. Jesus just wants you to go into your world where you live and say exactly what you shared with somebody else. That's it. If you need to respond this evening, if for whatever reason you've never responded to the good news, maybe tonight and hearing that bustle and what people are talking about, you're saying, I need that too. You do. You need Jesus because you, can't, you, sh- you just can't die without him and be saved. You cannot. You cannot. And we will testify to that. We will stand before you and say, you cannot. Every one of us, did you hear the buzz? That's what that, what that is. That's all what Jesus has done for the people in this room. And he's done it for every human being if they'll just let him. So you need to respond this evening. Do so now as we stand, as we sing.